Welcome to the teaching ministry of Paseo del Rey Church in Chula Vista, California. We invite you to open up your Bibles as we join Pastor Gary Bowman for today's message. Well, hey, grab your Bible and open to the book of Galatians. Uh, For the next uh, couple of months, we're going to be studying in the book of Galatians. It's page 1167 in the Bible that's in front of you there. We are going to take a look at this letter that the Apostle Paul uh, writes to um, a group of Christians in a group of churches, not just one church, but a group of churches in an area called Galatia. And here's what we're going to discover over and over and over again in our study called the gospel-saturated life. We're going to discover this over and over again, is that the gospel is not just for beginners. The gospel is not just the front door, and we go through it, and then we leave it behind and go and live our own lives. The gospel is not like, um, you know, when you were learning to ride a bike, a two-wheel bike. Remember when you graduated from a a, a tricycle or a big wheels, and you got that two-wheel bike? And, And so what did your dad or your mom put on that bike? They put trainer wheels, right? And the trainer wheels were awesome. I still have them on mine. They... They were really helpful to get you started learning how to balance. But one day, you learn to start learning to balance, and so your dad or mom or somebody takes those training wheels off, and then they get thrown in the corner of the garage. We still have some in the corner of our garage. And that's not what the gospel is like. The gospel not only helps us to get started, it's important. It helps us in the door. It's the only way in the door. But the gospel helps us today too, and the gospel will help us tomorrow as well. So the gospel, what Paul is going to tell us over and over and over again, is the gospel is not just for beginners. Now, just want to be really, really clear. You only come into a relationship with God one time. You're only saved one time. And when you're saved, you're eternally saved because it's all what Jesus did. But we need this gospel message to be, to saturate, we need to saturate ourselves and to preach this gospel message to ourselves and to others every day of our lives. We don't leave it behind in the corner of the garage where spider webs will grow on it. So the gospel is not just for beginners. The gospel of Jesus rescues us at the start. The gospel of Jesus rescues us today, and the gospel of Jesus will always rescue us. The gospel is so central not just to get us through the door into a relationship with God, but as we grow in that relationship with God. So let's take a look here in Galatians chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. We're just going to look at 1 through 5, but I'm going to read 1 through 9. So Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, sent not from by man, but sent by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will or the pleasure of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and forever. Amen. I am out of my gourd. It's between the lines. I am astonished that you are so quickly 
deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and that you're turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Apparently, some people are throwing you into confusion. They're trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or even if an angel from heaven were to come and preach a gospel, other than the gospel we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Let them be damned. And as we have already said, I say it again, if you didn't get it, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you have accepted, let them be under God's curse. The gospel is for the beginning of our Christian life. The gospel is for today in our Christian life. And the gospel is for every day in our Christian life and for all of eternity. So let's think about Paul and this gospel as we start this study in the book of, of um, Galatians. Now, I know that some of you are Pauline experts. I know some of you know everything about Paul, and that is really cool. But I know some of you probably don't know much about the Apostle Paul. So I just want to give a little overview. We're going to talk about him more in a couple of weeks down the road. But I want to just give an overview of the Apostle Paul. Um, the Apostle Paul had a former life. And in his former life, he had a former occupation. He was a terrorist. Terrorists are in the news a lot, right? Terrorists are people that we don't normally like. We don't want to be around. We, we, um, uh, we want to keep them, some people want to, uh, or we want to keep them uh, away from people that we love. But that's exactly what the Apostle Paul was in his former life. He was a Jewish terrorist. And he had a different name too. He had a, he had a different name. He was Terrorist Saul. And he, he was a, a, Saul was a, he was a super Jew who worked super hard at getting into heaven. Super Jew, super hard at having a relationship with God. He really wanted to have a relationship with God. But since he was a little tyke, he had been taught the way that you have a relationship with God, the way you try to have a relationship with God is by checking a whole bunch of boxes and keeping a whole bunch of rules. And he thought, if I can keep enough boxes and enough rules, then God might accept me and I might have a relationship with God. And, 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 and Saul, Saul, let me tell you this, Saul did a lot better job of this than any of us have ever done. He, he, he had incredible energy and he worked so hard at living a moral life at trying to keep God's commands. And he would check them off and he'd check them off and he'd check them off. But the problem with living in a checkbox relationship with God is what if you don't check off one of the right boxes? What if you get to the end of the road, you know, you're ready to go, you're ready to die and you're at the end of the road and you realize that, you know how Boy Scouts get all the Boy Scout badges and they got to go through the, the work and the procedure and then they got a badge and so what if it's like you're waiting to get into heaven? You've got to have all these badges, and suddenly you're there on your deathbed, and you realize you didn't get one of the badges. You can't go back out and figure it out. And so this is the, this is the, this is the difficulty in living in a rules-based relationship with God, is what if you haven't done enough? I remember as a teenager sitting in the church that we attended, and um, I attended because my mom and dad wanted me to. I attended because it seemed like something that God wanted me to do, and it was a good thing to do. But 
I, I, I sometimes remembered, well, what else does God want me to do? I remember sitting in church and thinking, okay, well, I checked this off today. This is good. This is good. Now, what else does he want me to do? And I, I would, it, sitting in church, you know, I don't know if it ever happens to you, but I wasn't listening to the pastor preach. It was kind of an amazing thing. I can't imagine anyone not listening to the pastor preach. But, but, I, but I, I wasn't, and I was trying to think of what else does God want me to do? Because if I don't get it checked off, I'm going to be in really hot water with God. Well, does he want me to go work with the homeless? Does he want me to give more of my allowance? Does he, you know, what is it that God wants from me? Because if I don't check off all the boxes, he's going to be, I'm going to use the word in church, he's going to be pissed. And you don't want God to be tweaked at you, do you? I don't, and you don't. And I, and, and I, remember, some, I remember one time leaving church thinking on the way home, okay, I just did this good thing, so I'm good with God. But what if I, on the way home, accidentally sin? I didn't want to intentionally sin, but what if on the way home, I remember this vividly, I, I would ride my skateboard home from church. It was, the church was on top of the hill. I'd get a ride with mom and dad, and then I'd ride my skateboard down the hill. And what if on the way home from church, a Mack truck pulled out of Cartwright Street and flattened me, and I had just sinned? And that really scared me, and, and that should scare you. If, if you're living like Saul did in thinking that somehow or another, by doing all the right things, that then God might love you. And that's where Saul was. That's what he'd been taught his whole life. So when he started to hear about Jesus, and he started to hear about Jesus' followers, he got really angry with them. And why did he get angry with them? He got angry with them because they had the audacity to say that no one, even people as good, see, Saul did a great job. Even people as good as Saul, even people as good as Saul, will never make it into a relationship with God by rule keeping because they'll never be able to do enough. Well, this like blew Saul's whole game plan, right? He had spent his whole life, you know, it's, it's, it's like you, you, you living your whole life thinking that the moon, um, you growing up your whole life thinking you're an American and you discover you're something else, okay? And, and, and so Saul had grown up his whole life thinking this is the way you have a relationship with God and yet not knowing if he could have one or not because if he'd done enough. And so it just blew Saul's whole game plan. And he got so, so mad at, these, at Jesus and these Christians, Jesus' followers, because they said, in fact, here's all you have to do, is you just have to believe on Jesus, who is God in human form, who did do everything perfectly, who lives an absolutely perfect life, and then who died to take the punishment for our imperfections upon him. And that's all you have to do to have a relationship with God. It's all by grace. It's all a free gift to people. This just was exactly opposite of what Saul had always believed in his life. So it just threw him for a loop. So he hated Jesus and he hated Christians. In fact, he went out and he started a reality TV show called Destroying Churches. And he set his life goal to destroy churches. In in Acts 6 and 7 and 8, you can read the straight, great summer reading about how Saul would go from house to house to house And he'd go into the houses and he'd ask the people, are you followers of Jesus? And if they were, he would drag men and he would drag women out of the house and throw them in prison. That's that's how adamant he was against this gospel message of Jesus Christ. 
is all you had to do was believe in faith in what the perfect Jesus had done on the cross and dying in our place. And, and when they executed people for following Jesus, he was right there standing ovation. He just loved it. He thought he was doing God a favor. Because here's how God operates. It's a rule-based game that we're in. And so then Acts 9 opens with this scary, extremist, fanatical words, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He was out for the kill. That's who Saul was in his former life. One day he went out on a, a road trip, a rage-filled road trip, to destroy more Christians, to destroy more churches. They had the cameras going. You know, it was a top reality show there. And as he's going down the road to go and destroy more churches and more Christians, Jesus shows up, right? Acts chapter 9. And Saul, for the first time in his life, as good as he was, realized how bad he really was. Jesus helped him to see how absolutely broken and sinful... Jesus helped him to see that he was far more sinful than he ever imagined that he was. It was kind of like he was just kind of stripped bare. And he realized how broken he was inside and how holy God is. And that, that, that by trying to keep a bunch of rules, it's never going to make up for that brokenness in his life. And Jesus embraced him and drenched him with the gospel message that it's all about what Jesus has done. And he drenched him in this good news. And then this is really, really cool, is Jesus, Jesus doesn't do this with very many people. I wish he would have done it with me. I so wish he would have done this with me. But he took Saul aside, and he changed his name to Paul, and Jesus himself taught Saul. I don't know if it was a, resu if it was a resurrected a physical appearance of Jesus. I don't know if it was a spiritual experience, but Jesus himself taught Saul, taught Saul, who now is Paul, the gospel message. It doesn't happen very often, right? He taught him all about the good news that, of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he said to Saul, he said to Paul, he said, Paul, you're my main man. You're my messenger. That's what the word apostle means. That's all it means. You're my special apostle who I have given this message of the gospel to. Now, now, now Paul, I want you to take that and spread it everywhere you go. And I want you to go to a, a lot of places. I want you to go to Madagascar. I want you to go to everywhere. I want you to go to Jordan. I want you to go to Belize. I want you to go to Chula Vista. So there we are in verse 1. Paul, this former terrorist, an apostle, a messenger, not sent from men or by man. You, 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 I'm, I'm a messenger today. I'm a messenger to you of God's word. I, I hope I get out of the way so that the message, God's message comes to you. But I come from men. I come from men. I was taught by great men and women, uh, the Bible and the scriptures, and many of you have taught me and encouraged me. So I come to you as a messenger today, but I've been sent by men. I've been commissioned by men, but not, not, not Paul. Not Paul. He was commissioned personally by the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he says in verse 1, Paul, a messenger, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Uh, 
The message that we have from Paul when we read it in our New Testament is God's message itself. It's not my message. It's not your father or your mother's message. It's not the church's message, some church's message. It's the message of God. We can can bank on this message as he tells us together about the gospel. This is not man-made, it's God-made. And so what Paul is doing, verse 2, and all the brothers and sisters who are with me, they send their greetings in this letter to the churches in Galatia. The churches in Galatia. Gary Bell put together a cool map here, kind of give you an idea. Um, Galatia, there's a couple different theories on where Galatia is. I think this theory probably fits the best. It's called the Southern Galatia theory. So it's these churches and a few others. So these are, here's the the interesting thing. Remember, Paul was a terrorist. If Paul would have had drones, he would have sent them in and attacked these churches and then gone in and bulldozed them. Now he's planting churches and he's loving these churches and he's writing to these churches. And so in about 48 or 49, 46, 47, 48 AD, Paul takes off from down in the Jerusalem area, and he says, hey, up in this area of Galatia, they don't know about Jesus yet. They're unreached peoples. It's the ends of the earth. And that's what we're commissioned to do, is to take the gospel so that all peoples, the ends of the earth, might know the good news. And so Paul and his team, his missionary team, they go to the ends of the earth, which at that time, 46, 47, 48, that era, they go to Galatia, and they, they go to the city of Antioch and Lystria and Iconium and, 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 uh, and Der- Derbe. And they go for the first time with the gospel message of Jesus. And people come to believe the gospel. And so Paul helps to nurture little gospel communities. Little churches begin to spring up in these. And, and he encourages these churches. And then he goes off on another missions trip. And so a couple of years later, he hears word back from these churches that the gospel is being tampered with. The gospel's being tempered. It, it, it can't just be as easy as just believing on Jesus. No, you've got you to believe on Jesus and then keep a bunch of rules. You've got to believe on Jesus. Oh, yeah, it's grace to get in, but now it's all up to us. Like Jesus died on the cross and said, it's finished. And he says, now, guys, now you do your, 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 your job to finish the job. He says, no, it's all done in the cross of Jesus and so Paul sits down and he writes this letter uh, to these, the Galatians. And, and our, our, our perspectives course that's going to begin August 22 is, gonna, is all about taking the gospel near and taking the gospel where it hasn't been heard yet. Nurturing churches and helping Christian communities to grow there just like they did in modern day Turkey uh, right there. So from a terrorist, the gospel changes Saul from a terrorist into someone who's crazy about sharing the good news of Jesus. I mean, this is, this is, how does a person change like this? The gospel changes us. Some of you might be here today and you might go, oh man, I've got such a past. You know, if, if I'm trying to check off a checklist, you know, maybe Saul was 97 or 98. Maybe Saul was even 99. You know, I, I'm done in about 34, 35, 36. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus won't accept me. Jesus, I, I, I haven't done enough for Jesus. Man, the apostle Paul is such an encouragement to me that Jesus can save a terrorist. 
He can save, he perhaps, if, if he didn't himself murder Christians, he stood and applauded when Christians were murdered. He, 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 he tore men and women out of their very homes and threw them in prison. If Jesus can forgive a guy like Saul, then he can forgive any of us. His, the gospel covers over our sins, uh, our sins in the past, our sins today, and our sins in the future. And so, so here's what we want to keep coming back to in this series, is that the gospel is not just for beginners. It's the gospel of Jesus rescues us at the start, and it rescues us today, right here today. The gospel rescues us, and the gospel of Jesus will always rescue us. So let's see what he goes on to say in verse 3. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Three times in the passage, God is called our Father. And we have divorced ourselves from God. We've estranged ourselves by our sin from God our Father. And yet God our Father is reconciling us and adopting us and bringing us back into his family. And he gives us, what does he give us here? He gives us grace and peace. And, and this is what we need. Is that we, we, need, we need grace because we keep screwing up. We keep screwing up. I, I keep finding myself being critical of people. I just, see, I, I needed a whole lot of grace to come into God's family. It's the only way I got in. But I need just as much grace today because I just keep, I'm a sinner. And sinners do a funny thing. They sin. And so when I'm critical, it's not like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I was so critical. It's, that's who I am. That's my nature. I'm a sinner. And so what do I need? I need grace. I need that forgiveness afresh and anew in my life every single day. Um, I got irritated at my wife, which I know is like, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to do. But I'm a sinner, and I got irritated, and then I just wouldn't let it go. I like chased her around the house being irritated at her. She was trying to get out of the way of the irritation, right? She came over to some of your houses because I, I followed her everywhere. What is that? In, and all of us have sins, you know, like, like that. I'm not the only one. I know like that. But be, why is that? Because I'm a sinner. I'm a lousy, stinking sinner. I need grace today just like I needed at the beginning. Some of, us, some of you hold grudges. Some of you struggle with sex. Some of us struggle with sexual sins. We need grace over and over. We don't just need it when we come in. We don't just need trainer wheels. We need them to get, to get in, but we, we need the gospel the, uh, 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 every single day of our life. And we need peace too, don't we? We need peace because stuff happens to us in our life that we never invited, we never expected, never wanted to come into our lives. And we get bumped. And sometimes that stuff out there, we can't do anything about. We can't change it. And we've got to learn to live with that. Whether it's a diagnosis or whether it's a rude person in our life, whether it's a mean-spirited person in our life, whether it's a political system that is, is not what I would have, you or you would have chosen to be. The candidates aren't who you want them to be. What do we have to do? We, because we can't change that easily, we need peace, right? This deep peace inside of us, even when the world around us is, is an absolute mess. 
the first thing that Paul tells us about the gospel is our good, good father gives us what we need, grace and peace, because we're messy people living with messy, sinful pe- other messy, sinful people as well. So how does, how does grace and peace come to messy, undeserving people like me? Only one way. Verse four, verse three and four. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the, the will, or, or another way to translate that word, the pleasure of God, of our God and Father. This is the Father's good will that his Son give up his life in our place so that we can be rescued. So to the Father, verse 5, be glory forever and forever. Amen. Man, what a crazy love that is. The, the idea here is that the innocent one, that's Jesus, right? He lives the perfect life. He keeps all of the rules that the Father laid out. He keeps every single one of them perfectly. And then he He, the innocent one, takes the punishment of screw-ups like me, and I'm going to say it, screw-ups like you. Amen? Amen? Amen. You and I are so much worse off than we thought. You know, sometimes when you start to realize how bad off you are, what, what a louse I am. You're a lot lousier than you even think you are at that time. It's got good news for you, right? You are far worse off than you ever thought you were. I know we pacify. You guys look so good today. You know, you, some of you fathers, you're just looking really styling it, really looking good. You know, you're going to have ribs for lunch. Life is good. You're looking really, really good. But inside, you're just stinking like me. And, and, and this is the amazing thing about the gospel is that the innocent, sinless one chooses to take the punishment for us brutes and beasts. Because that's what we are. We're just... Brutes and peace. Oh, I know some of you go, but yeah, but I kept this rule and I did this and I did that. Awesome. You're still a brute and a beast. You're still a lost sinner in need of a rescuer. This is crazy love. He rescues us. He rescues us. I love that word. He delivers us. The New English or the ESV version of the Bible says, He rescues us. He delivers us. This is good news. And, and I think inherent in the word rescue is that it's something you can't do for yourself. Now, I might be wrong on this. And so if, if you think you can rescue yourself, write me an email this week. Derek Olson at gmail.com. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll get right on that silly thing. Sorry, Derek. Your email box is going to be full. But I don't think you can rescue yourself. I, I think you can improve yourself. I think you can help yourself. I think you can fool yourself. But I don't think you can rescue yourself. I just don't think that that's possible. Because rescue intimates, doesn't it, that you're, you're beyond hope. That's why you need to be rescued. We need a rescuer. Uh, one of our boys, when he was, I don't know, about seven or eight years old, uh, he was a good swimmer, and uh, he was out with some friends at Coronado, and uh, they're at uh, uh, Gator Beach, and they were out there swimming and having a great time out on the surf. And all of a sudden, he, he realizes, I'm in really deep water. I can't even touch at all. He's a good swimmer. I can't touch. So he said, I better, I better swim into shore. 
a little, swim into, and of course he starts swimming, and the more he swims, the further out he goes. And so like, what, what's happening, right? He's in a rip, rip current, right? And what are you supposed to do when you're in a rip current? And he knew what you're supposed to do. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to swim the other way, right? And then come in. But when you're in the middle of a rip current and you're starting to panic, you don't remember what you're supposed to do. And so he was just, he and his buddies were just kind of getting exhausted, just swimming there. And man, they were going to die. You know, this, this rip current, they're good swimmers. Doesn't matter. Rip current's a lot stronger than the best swimmer. So what needed to happen is what happened, right? The lifeguard stopped talking to the pretty girls, and, and he, he looked up, and he saw these guys out there in the water just paddling and going deeper, going the opposite, kind of a gift you have to swim backwards like that, I guess. And they're going out. Man, they're right near Honolulu. You know, this is a strong rip current. And, and, and so the lifeguard goes out there, gets his surfboard, and he gets his buoys, and got a jet ski. They had a helicopter, and they brought a lifeguard cutter in, and and they rescued these boys, and they brought them into shore, right? You can't rescue yourself. You need a rescuer. You need a, we need a rescuer. And and when they, when they got to shore, uh, the son, um, who will remain nameless, is either Zach or Joel. You take your guess, okay? It was probably Zach, but I'm not sure. Uh, it was Zach. And so, so Zach didn't come into shore and go, man, aren't I awesome? I just rescued myself. No, what did he do? Thank you, Mr. Lifeguard. I want to be like you when I grow up. Right? He, he began to brag on the rescuer, right? Because that's what you, and the more you know how lost you were, the more you brag on the rescuer. And I wanted to say this, that sometimes I think that our worship and our bragging on God is little because we think we've been forgiven little. We don't think we were as lost as Saul was. We don't think we're as lost as, 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 as an Islamic terrorist is. You know that? You and I are as lost, we're, we're as lost as an Islamic t- radical terrorist is. We are just... You and I were just as lost as a Nazi war criminal. Just as lost. And just like you needed a rescuer, they needed a rescuer, and it's Jesus. I'm, I'm intrigued by SpaceX. You know, it's this company that's trying to build a rockets to take tourists out into outer space. I am really up for that. I'm tired of Delta and... Uh, I, you know, I want to go out into outer space, you know, and so, I, I, so, so, so here's what I'm, my plan is, I'm going to get a ticket, and, and uh, so I'm on the spaceship, you know, and the thing they tell you, of course, is don't open this hatch and go outside, right, but they have these spacesuits sitting right there, you, you can do anything in the spaceship, but just don't go outside, but they got the spacesuits that the other guys wear, the, I'm thinking, they get to wear them. Why don't I get to wear them? So I go try it on. And by the way, this is an imaginary story, just in case you were thinking. So I, I'm, I try it on. I think, man, this is really cool. And I look around, and like all the, everybody's asleep on the this, on this SpaceX. And so, well, I just go outside for a little bit. So I hook up the tether thing, clicks in place. And I go out, and it's like, it is really cool out there. I don't know if you've ever been outside a spaceship or not. It is awesome out there. And I'm just kind of floating around and just kind of enjoying it. And the oxygen's flowing nice. It is good. But I tried to do a, I tried to do a backflip. And when I did the backflip, the tether kept getting caught. 
So I'm thinking, hey, I don't need this tether. You know, so just kind of <clears throat> unclick the thing and just kind of let it go. And all of a sudden I go, I can't breathe. But not a problem because I can hold my breath for a really long time. So I'm holding my breath and I'm doing these backflips. I don't know if you saw me, Greg. It was awesome. I mean, I'm just doing these backflips and all this. And then all of a sudden this asteroid comes flying by and it just rips right through the tether. The tether's now in two pieces. So I grab one part of it and I grab the other part of it and I think, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I, I'm going to die. That's what I'm going to do. But I can hold my breath for a really long time. And by the way, when I was seven or eight, I didn't take swim lessons. I took flying lessons. And I was one of the best flyers in sixth grade. And, and, and I also, I've got a, in my pocket, I have a roll of duct tape. Duct tape will save anything, right? And I think I'll just duct tape this tether back, and then I'll just get back in the spaceship, and no one will ever know. What do I need? I need a rescuer. And it doesn't matter how good I was, what I did, I am lost in my sin, and you are too, and I need someone to come and rescue me that's bigger and stronger and more and perfect like I'm not, and who will bear the penalty for all of my wrongdoing. And you know what? Every single one of us here and every single person on the planet will die will die as the wrath of God comes upon them for their sin. Every single person on the planet. That's you and that's me. You could, you could be in church every single Sunday. These are good things. You could be in church every single Sunday. You could give half your income. You could be the star of the youth group. You could uh, feed the homeless every week. You could read your Bible every morning, or you could have never set foot in a church before in your life. You could be an axe murderer. You could be a terrorist. You're going to die, and you're going to die, unless you embrace the rescuer and let his grace just drip all over you and all over me. That's the gospel message. This person who's kept a lot of rules and kept a lot of regulations, oh, it's, it's awesome. But it's not enough. And this person that hasn't kept any of the rules and laws and I'm sorry, but it's not enough either. It's the gospel of Jesus who, what does it say in verse 3, 4? Who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. There's this wonderful chart. We, our, our growth group studied a really cool study called the Gospel-Centered Life, and they, there's this really neat chart, and I'm, I've tweaked it just a little bit, but, but they get all the credit for it, is this horizontal line is, is my life before I'm a Christian, and then when, when, when the gospel embraces me and I embrace the gospel back, what begins to happen in my Christian life is two things. Is I begin to grow more and more aware of how holy God really is. 
oh, how perfect he is, and how good he is, and how loving he is, and how high his standards are, because he's God. And at the same time, I begin to grow in awareness of my own sinfulness, that my sinfulness is a lot worse than I ever imagined it was. And, and look what happens that my perception, the cross doesn't really change, but my perception of the cross and my need for the cross and my appreciation for the cross and my gratefulness for the cross, because as I realize how broken I really am and as I realize how holy God is, I begin to understand that only Jesus could love me and draw me into his family. That, 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 that I can't get rid of enough of my sinfulness to reach up to God's pure holiness. And, it, and, and, and this diagram has just really helped me in my thinking. Now, I, I want you to see the opposite diagram. It's, we call it shrinking the cross. And here's what happens here, is when I begin to minimize God's holiness. Say, well, yeah, God's got a whole bunch of laws, a whole bunch of rules, but huh, what's the deal? God's, God doesn't really expect that from us. You know, God will understand, and we begin to minimize God's holiness, and we begin to minimize our own sinfulness. And we minimize our own sinfulness by um, rationalizing our sin, right? Well, it really wasn't as bad as someone thought it was, or, you know, it really wasn't that bad. Everyone does it, or we blame other people. So the reason I'm not going to forgive my brother-in-law or whoever is because they were a jerk, and if you would have seen what they did, you wouldn't forgive me either. So the problem is theirs, right? I'm blaming them for my sinfulness. Or we, we hide our sin. We, just, we don't even face it ourselves, let alone anyone else see it. And we just kind of hunker down. And I don't have a problem here. And when we do that, when we minimize our sinfulness, we have, a less, we have a perceived less need for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He doesn't need to forgive us that much, right? If we're just using a quantity as, a, as an illustration here. He doesn't need to forgive me that much because I'm not that bad. And one of the wonderful graces of Jesus is, is asking Jesus to reveal the hurtful ways in me, the sinful ways in me. Because as I do that, rather than despairing and going, oh my gosh, I'm such an awful person. I, I am an awful person. My sin nature is just horrible. And it, and it just keeps manifesting itself in these sinful ways. But it, we'll go back to the other chart. It maximizes, it, 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 then, then, it, then it exalts and enlarges the cross of Jesus Christ. And I just go back to Jesus and I go, oh my gosh, Jesus, thank you for loving me so much. Even when I'm a real stinker, and I am. And I needed that when I came. I needed that gospel message when I came in. And I need that gospel message in the middle of my Christian life. And I need it at the end of my Christian life. Don't think the gospel is just this ticket to get you into heaven. And you get it and you just live your life any way you want. You just li- you just, you're just kind of waiting. And when Jesus comes, up, here's my ticket. That's not what grace is about. That's not what the gospel is about. It affects how we got into God's family, how we live in God's family today, and how we'll, li- we'll live in God's family forever. And this, this, we're going to look at this illustration more uh, in, in days to come. But, but I want you to understand that, that the gospel is for right now. 
imagine this. Imagine, um, imagine a million years from now. Anybody, anybody got a thought about that? A million years from now. Probably most of you will be dead in a million years, right? Anybody planning to be around in a million years? And, and, and if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you'll be dead from this world, but you're going to be alive in heaven with Jesus, with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You're going to be alive. You're going to be more alive then than you are now. Uh, so much more alive. You're going to see colors that you can't imagine. You're going to hear sounds and music that you could have never imagined. You're going to taste things in heaven. You thought dinner last night was good? It was good. It, nothing compared to what God has in store for, for us. And if you're thinking about sitting around in a cloud, forget that idea. It's going to be awesome. You're going to be there. And you are going to feel, you are going to feel so loved in heaven. You're going to be face to face. You're going to be so loved. You're going to feel so secure. You're going to feel so safe and so valuable in heaven. You're going to, be, you're going to just feel so loved a million years from now. But, I, but here's what I, the gospel tells us, is that you are just as loved today as you will be then. Because see, our, in our relationships, people's love for us wanes and grows by how we behave. And if I'm rotten, then I'm not going to be loved the same, right? But the gospel shows us from the beginning to the middle to the end, it's not about what we do or don't do. It's about what he has done, the perfect one. There's a great passage uh, I preached through John 17 a few years back, and there's this great passage there where Jesus is praying to his Father. And, and look at what he says in John 17. He, Jesus says to his Father, he says, I, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them, his followers, even as you have loved me. Now think about, think about the Father's love for his Son. Do you ever question that? Do you ever doubt? Does, does the father love his son, Jesus? You, you, you know he's crazy about his son, Jesus. Jesus tells us the father loves you and he loves me the same as he loves his son, Jesus. And it's not going to just wait till out there. It started at the cross when Jesus introduced the gospel message to us. And it carries us through our lives. So, so, there is, there is nothing you can do to make Jesus love you more than he does right now. That's the gospel. You, 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 you can't go to church enough. That's a good thing to do. And you'll, you'll want to do that. You can't read your Bible enough. That's a good thing to do. And you'll want to do that. You can't feed the homeless enough to make his love change for you. He loves you as much today as he'll love you a million years from now because of the gospel of Christ. And then here's the other cool thing, is there's nothing you can do to make him love you less than he loves you today. There is nothing you can do to make him love you less than he loves you today. There's no sin. There's no repeated sin. 
There's no, there's no uh, lifestyle habit. There's no um, uh, words that you'll say to someone that will make him love you less than he loves you today. That's the gospel message of Jesus. And we, we need to preach that to our wives and preach it to your husbands and preach it to your parents, preach it to your kids and preach it to your neighbors and your friends. That there is, therefore, now, no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And I don't think we believe that. Oh, I'm going to get condemned for this. You know, I, 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 I said that again, or I did that again, or I failed someone again, so now God's ticked at me. He's not. And when, when, when that, let's go back to that illustration of enlarging the cross, and when I understand how sinful I really am, that cross just gets really big, and now I, now I want to live for him because I'm so grateful for how he's rescued me and how he's changed my life. Saturate yourself in the gospel and pour the gospel out into other people's lives as well so that they might be set free today through what Jesus has done on the cross for us. Let's pray together. Jesus, we would have thought of a different way to try to save ourselves. We would have tried to patch things up with our makeshift duct tape and own strength, and, but it would have never worked. It's only you, our good, good, loving Father, who loves your, his Son so much and loves the Spirit so much and who loves us so much to come up with this plan to send your only Son, God in flesh, to come and to bear the wrath of God against all of our sin that we might be rescued and brought into your family. And so that didn't just end things and we got in and now we're in and now we're on our own. But every day, we need that same message that it's not, about, it's not about what we do, but it's all about what Jesus has done. And so Jesus, help us to be saturated. Help us to saturate ourselves. Help us to saturate our church with this gospel message. Because it's this gospel message that as the cross gets bigger and bigger and bigger in our lives, that we just... We just want to live for you. We want to obey you. We are empowered to do the things that we can't do on our own. But it comes out of because you have first loved us, then we're empowered to love you and to love others. And if you're here this morning and you've maybe never understood the gospel, maybe you've um, thought that you got to get your act together first. Nobody gets their act together first. You thought you got to catch up on some rules or you got to clear something out of your life first. Hey, Jesus takes terrorists into his family. This awesome love of the Father 
So we invite you to just to say to Jesus this morning, man, that's me. I'm a sinner and I haven't and I can't live up to what I perceive you want me to live up to. I know I haven't done enough, but I understand that you did it all on the cross. And oh, we just invite you to come and let the gospel wash over you and forgive you of all your sins that you might have life and that you might have this grace and this peace that only comes from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit.